Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith, Tuesday, December 6th, 2016. Finally getting back to something of a normal life again here. <laughs> and while the music is playing, of course, I'm making last-second edits. <laughs> ah. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, help you slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of really crazy things being said out there. We take the time to open up God's Word, open up our Bibles to compare with the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles, and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those who we need to be listening to, whose books we need to be buying, whose small group curricula apparently we need to be studying instead of the Word of God, yeah. That's oftentimes how that works, to see if what they're saying squares with what God's Word says, or, well, if it doesn't. Yeah, it generally doesn't even come close. And so, as a result of it, <laughs> we've found a plethora of different ways in which to uh, help you kind of identify and spot the different types of twistings and false teachings that are out there floating around in, uh, in uh, mainstream evangelicalism. All right, let's talk about what we're going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. We're going to begin, <laughs> you know, I'm looking, <laughs> hey, looking at my notes here. Yeah, it's uh, the whole first hour. <laughs> the whole first hour is a prophetic holy orders network information exchange syndicate update. The whole first hour. Just no way around it. Uh, kind of piggybacking off of yesterday's episode with um, Bill Johnson at Robert Morris's church, which was kind of a big deal. Um, and, of course, Lana Vazer in her season of popcorn. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> Jen Johnson. So yesterday's episode. But uh, looking at today's, uh, yeah, it's kind of in the same vein. All right, so uh, we're going to begin with uh, our, our latest horoscope from uh, Ryan Lestrange. You're thinking, horoscope? Yeah, I, I, it's the only way I can describe what it is that we're listening to. Every Monday, uh, Ryan Lestrange, who uh, actually shares the last name of one of the villains in the Harry Potter uh, <laughs> stories. Anyway, Ryan Lestrange um, 
will be teaching us how, how discerning and developing the authentic. Discerning and developing the authentic. We'll listen to this interesting word from him. And then we're going to ask a question. Is there an Amanda Wells cover-up? Yeah, th- there's a reason I'm asking this. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that and talk about what's going on. Uh, kind of latest developments regarding Amanda Wells. Um, she's gone somewhat silent. Uh, totally disappeared off the Elijah list. Um, and that was kind of in tandem with the Australian prophetic summit thingy. And uh, we're just going to note that, well, she's you know kind of gone AWOL a little bit. And there was a blurb up talking on her website about her being you know, uh, disciplined or whatever and like owning something and that's disappeared. So, you know, we'll take a look at what's going on with Amanda Wells. And uh, and then we're, go- yeah, kind of building off of yesterday, Bill Johnson at Gateway Church. How about Chuck Pierce partnering? Well, actually, I mean, I'm doing this backwards. How about Benny Hinn partnering with Chuck Pierce? You know, Chuck Pierce, you know, of Prophecy Open Mike fame. No joke, Benny Hinn had Chuck Pierce come and, teach and uh they filmed it and put it out on as a television program and uh, and then we're going to look at todd white kind of one of the up-and-comers in the new apostolic reformation as he narsajeets the cross and which what's really fascinating with this um is during our uh first break we, we oftentimes play uh, a, a max holiday uh bird birdcage theater uh you know sketch uh, we put those in our our first uh, break. We will not put one in there today. We're going to just note that Todd White's total narcissistic approach to the uh, the cross is something. <laughs> it's like we came up with a satirical sketch on this years ago when we put out our Budgie Cuts album, and uh, and so yeah, we'll we'll just kind of do the comparative work there, and then in hour number two, yeah, kind of long overdue. I'm. Looking at the list of people that, that kind of like long overdue for a sermon review here, um, and my hope, by the way, is by uh, on Thursday to actually do a Catherine Kuhlman sermon review. Just, just saying, uh, you know, she's on my list. But today, uh, the Apostle Shayon, mm-hmm. Shayon will be on our radar. And uh, back it last, well, yeah, last year, about a year ago, Shayon, the Apostle was at Glory City Church, engaging in apostolic strategic word from the Lord kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, if you've never heard that, how that goes down, we'll, we have an example of that in uh, hour number two today. So that will be today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Uh, strongly recommend you make yourself comfortable. We got a lot of ground to cover. And uh, and so let's get to it. We're going to be doing a long-range prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate Update. That requires us to do this. Oh, hallelujah. Get up right now. this. Sure. 
that's uh, Robert Tilton and Who Baba Conda. So we're uh, heading over to the uh, the the uh, horoscope page. Yeah, that's, I, I think that's what this is—a YouTube horoscope page where you can hear the the latest words from the Lord, uh, as if you know, kind of like horoscope style. You want to know what's coming down the pike? Well, don't worry, Ryan Lestrange is—he's got you covered. He's got the inside track. Claims to be a prophet, you know, and uh, so he's going to be explaining to us. This word of the Lord regarding discerning and developing authentic relationships. Here we go. The Monday word. My Monday word is discerning and developing authentic relationships. The relationships in your life are critical and imperative for your prophetic purpose. The Lord has said certain things about you. He has released certain promises over you. And many. What exactly has the Lord said about me? I mean, God's word says I was born dead in trespasses and sins called me to repent of my sins and to be forgiven by the shed blood of Christ and, you know, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Um, what are you talking about? One of the keys is authentic kingdom relationships. So we've got to discern these and we've got to develop these. I right. So we need to discern and develop authentic kingdom relationships. Right. Yeah. Um, what are you talking about? Do you have a biblical text that talks about this? It should be really a part of one of our daily prayers. Lord, bring the right people into my life and remove the wrong people from my life. I believe that oftentimes there are different people for different seasons that God brings in your life. And it's one of the real challenges is to discern those people and then to develop those relationships, meaning authentic relationships. Now, the word authentic, it, it means an original. It's not false. It's something that is substantial. It's something that is real. Many, many times we have relationships that are... Yeah, what's the Greek word for authentic? Can you point it out in a biblical text for me? ...upon false foundations. Right. And therefore they end up bringing us to a place of shipwreck. But God wants to bring authentic kingdom relationships into our lives. Well, if God wants to bring authentic kingdom relationships into my life, I mean, I mean, it sounds all good and everything... Uh, I'm pretty convinced that that would require, well, anybody who listens to you, Ryan Lestrange, that, that they would cut you off because you're not an authentic prophet. You are a counterfeit prophet. You're a phony baloney. You're not actually teaching us the word of the Lord. You're teaching us nonsense. These are worthless words. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10 says this, Two are better than one, because when there is a reward for their labor together, for if they fall, then the one will help his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, and has no one to help him up. So sometimes you need people to help you access the next level in your life. Right, yeah, because Ecclesiastes is all about finding more people to help you access the next level in your life. Yeah, that's not what Ecclesiastes is about. Sometimes you need people to help you access that promise in your life. Sometimes you need people to unlock certain doors for you. You need authentic kingdom relationships. So you've got to discern. Yeah, authentic. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that would mean to get rid of you. And develop these. It's critical that we understand that every destiny, every vision, every purpose is going to require a team. It's going to require a family. It's going to require relationships. Relationships that are built upon false foundations will ultimately crumble. So what do we need in an authentic relationship? Well, there's a few ingredients. Number one, we need loyalty. Listen, you cannot build an authentic relationship without loyalty. Yeah, no, it's, it's really hard. Yeah, it's really hard to do that without loyalty. I, I agree. 
It's one of the discerning factors. If, if somebody rips everybody else apart, they're probably going to rip you apart. I used to tell church planters and pastors, listen, if that couple left the last church and caused a bunch of chaos on their way out, they're probably going to do it to you at some point. It's the same thing relationally. Loyalty is critical. You've got to have people that not only stand with you on the mountaintop, but in the valley, in the battle zone, in the war zone. Secondly, you need commitment. Relationships are work. It's going to take commitment. You don't yell. All this yelling he's doing is driving me nuts. Something great without some labor, without some effort. Thirdly, you need investment. You've got to have time. You know, I, I meet people that join uh, apostolic networks and fellowships and, and go to... Apostolic networks. Keep that phrase tucked away in your mind today, yeah. All these apostles running around, you know. ...schools and ministry, and they say, well, I'm not getting anything out of that. And my question is, what are you putting in? You've got to invest. See, when the Lord le leads you to link... Buy, buy, buy. No, wait, sell. No, buy. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to do some investing here. Somewhere. You don't go into it saying, what can I get out of it? You go into it saying, I need to put something into this. Why? Because in the kingdom, there's always a seed required for a harvest. If right, yeah. You got you to gotta plant a seed if you want to harvest, you know. Yeah. Same relationally. Uh, so then you need honor. A kingdom relationship, an authentic relationship. Yeah. Not oh, you need honor, commitment, yeah, and all the kind of stuff. You, whatever you do, don't criticize the guy claiming to be a prophet who's speaking nonsense. I mean, so here's kind of the question I would have. I mean, all right, so, you know, you know, today's Tuesday, you know, and I listened to the Monday word today, you know, so it's a day late coming, you know. Um, is, is it possible for me as a Christian, you know, to make it through my week without this Monday word? Is it, is it possible? Is, is this really what God would have me know? Or, or is the Bible just not enough? I mean... I, I read my Bible today. In fact, you know, I was reading through parts of Daniel and Isaiah and finishing up uh, uh, Matthew today uh, in, in my personal study. And it was just wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. And, it, and you know, and, you know, so this, I, I just, I sit there going, okay, how does this fit into, you know, my walk as a disciple of Jesus? How did Christians survive for 2,000 years Without Ryan Lestrange's Monday word from the Lord, you know, I just I just listen to this stuff and I'm thinking, what function does this have? I mean, are there are there hordes of people standing by? They 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 will not go to work on Monday until they've heard Ryan Lestrange is you know and his Monday word. You know, they're sitting there going, "Oh man, it's Monday. Oh, I've got a whole week ahead of me." And I, I need to know what the Lord's saying because I, I need to know which way to go. And so, you know, you sit there and you you, you tune in to uh, Ryan Lestrange's Monday Word on his YouTube channel and, and you get this word. Okay, marching orders from God. I need to discern and develop authentic prophetic relationships. Ch uh, let me put this in my day planner. Okay, so I got to go and, you know, and it's just, you, and what's the cash value of this? I'm sure for Ryan Lestrange, yeah, the, the cash value is probably pretty high. But for the people following him, I mean, it's like, how is this even helpful? I mean, let me kind of put it another way, all right? 
Let's say I was having a really difficult, challenging time in my life. Let's let's say that, you know, I, I had some major decision to make. I can't think of a single one of those times or any kind of a of a decision that I've got to make in a difficult time that where I would say, you know what, the person I really need to talk to in order to sort this out so that I, I can know how to move forward and, and, you know, and can properly frame this in my life so I can make a wise Christian biblical decision. The last person I would think of is Ryan Lestrange. And then next Patricia King and, you know, people like that. I mean, seriously, why on earth would I go to this guy to solve any of my life dilemmas or for any guidance for what I need to do in the days ahead? The reality is, is that God's word actually gives me everything I need in order to sort and navigate these things. And and sometimes, you know, it's just good to call up a pastor or a friend and kind of have them be a sounding board. Say, listen, I'm thinking about this or that. And, you know, I need to kind of weigh this out. And sometimes just walking through the process of talking through it, sometimes you can kind of sort it out. But you, you want a good friend who kind of knows what he's doing. I mean, if Ryan Lestrange was actually somebody that I had the phone number to, you know, and he was, you know, he rode in this, you know, kind of the same circle of friends that I have, I still wouldn't call him because none of this makes any sense. I, in fact, every, I get this profound sense that every time I listen to Ryan Lestrange, my life becomes more confusing rather than more clear. Plastic one, not a false one. It's got honor. And then you need wisdom. You've got to have the wisdom of the Lord to know what to do and when to do. And I believe a lot of people enter into kingdom relationships without prayer. They, I see people all the time that they just suddenly announce, this is my spiritual mother. This is my spiritual father. They've not prayed about it. They've not thought about it. They. I Maybe that's my problem. I've... Never have announced who my spiritual mother was. Oh, man, I'm spiritually motherless. I'm an orphan. I didn't even know it. I've sought God about, listen, you need to pray about the people in your life yeah. and get the right people and discern the wrong people. The Lord has given you the nine gifts of the Spirit, and he will check you if it's not a right fit, if it's not a right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the scripture doesn't say that. So God's going to check you. What was he talking about when he talks like that? Uh, well, th that's the check in the spirit. This is this is actually, I think, a technique of the Jedi, not Christians. Yeah, no, yeah. I I feel a disturbance. Wait, I got a check in my spirit. It's a disturbance in the force. No, God doesn't promise that. Person, and you've got to listen to that and not override it. One of the greatest uh, challenges to building authentic kingdom relationships is what I call relational conflict. Now, let's talk about the false so we can get to the real. Yeah, that's weird because you're a false prophet and a false teacher. A lot of people want something I call false unity. Yeah. And they build plastic relationships. What does that mean? Where they never speak their mind. They're not authentic. They're not genuine. They, they, they try to avoid conflict by just not tackling the difficult issues. They never voice their disagreement openly. They voice it secretly. And they allow offense and they allow bitterness to swell in the relationship. And, and this creates a paradigm of false unity. False unity means... You're right. It creates the paradigm of false unity. Yeah, these are just vague and vapid, bizarre words kind of all strung together. 
I think you get the point. I, I, I If I go on any farther with that guy because he's yelling, I'm afraid my ears will bleed. Now, we're still under Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate, but you know, since we're going to be doing an Amanda Wells update, that requires us to do this. <laughs> at an English fair One evening I was there When I heard a showman shouting underneath the flare I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts There they are standing in a row Big one, small one, some as big as your head Give them a twist, a flick of the wrist That's what the showman said I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts Every ball you throw will make me rich there stands me wife, the idol of me life, singing roly bell a ball a penny a pitch. Singing roly bell a ball a penny a pitch. Singing roly bell a ball a penny a pitch. Roly bell a ball, roly bell a ball, singing roly bell a ball a penny a pitch. Yeah, that's right. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. So. I, I want to bring you up to speed regarding Amanda Wells. Now, Amanda is somebody who we've featured many times here at Fighting for the Faith. And uh, in the segments that we've featured Amanda Wells, she has proven herself to be, well, a spinner of yarns, of tall tales and, and legendary stories that stretch the bonds of credulity. Now, Amanda Wells has claimed to be a prophet. She's literally, no joke, in the past been promoted by the Elijah List, as well as Catherine Runala, as a well-known prophetic voice. And now here's where we got to kind of pay attention to something here, is that in the NAR, and this is one of the reasons we're at, why we're doing our Shay On uh, sermon review today, in the New Apostolic Reformation, Churches align themselves under the covering of different apostles. Mm -hmm. And so here's the idea is, is that like Shayon would be the apostle of Catherine Runala. Uh, Cindy Jacobs would be the apostle for Steve Schultz of the Elijah List and things like this. And all these people are claiming that they are receiving direct revelation from God. So I, I want you to think about it this way. We are talking about not only Amanda Wells, we are also talking about those who are who in the past have provided her with apostolic covering. I, if you've never heard these terms, my apologies. You know, just kind of think of it as if you would like, if you've ever seen a corporate org chart, Right. You have to kind of think of that. There's, you know, you got the boss at the top of the pyramid and then, you know, you got the VPs and then you got different people in the downline. The New Apostolic Reformation is a lot like that. So near the top of the pyramid, you're going to have people like Shayon and Cindy Jacobs and stuff like that. And then below them would be those people that they are apostolically in charge of and things like this. And of course, you know, my question is, Knowing what I know now about Amanda Wells, why wasn't God the Holy Spirit prophetically speaking to any of these people to warn them about Amanda? And you're thinking, well, what happened? Well, 
let me let me bring you up to speed by giving you a summary of well the story as it has recently been unfolding. Amanda Wells, if you remember, a year ago, about the time in the fall when the Australian Prophetic Summit got together, the folks over at Church Watch put together a well a little game called the Culprit in the Pulpit. And turned out, you know, you had to figure out which of the different Elijah list prophets was the culprit in the pulpit. And the culprit in the pulpit was none other than Amanda Wells. And the folks over at Church Watch actually reached out to many of the people on the Australian Prophetic Summit and warned them that Amanda Wells was demonstrably a plagiarist. I mean, she was taking whole things written by other people and passing it off as their own. And a year ago, they didn't seem too keen to act on this information, like far from it. Well, as the Australian Prophetic Summit got whirling up again this past fall, um, here fall here in the United States, spring there in Australia, um, as things were whirling up, they they redoubled their efforts to get these people to pay attention to the fact that Amanda Wells is plagiarizing, has been plagiarizing other people's work and passing it off as their own. And apparently, from what I can gather, it looks as if the uh, well, the the folks, some of the folks have taken these claims seriously and i have heard through one of the researchers from the uh, from church watch that uh, that some one or more of the authors who've been plagiarized by amanda have uh, you know have you know taken note and uh, may potentially even take legal action to stop this from happening in the future okay that is just i'm just saying that's what i've heard now all of you saying well what does this have to do with anything well hang in there hang in there i'm trying to explain so a while back, I mean, fairly recently, buried, and I mean this, this should have been on the homepage of Amanda Wells's website, but it was put at the very bottom of the About page, was this blurb, and let me read it from the screenshot that I made at the time. Here's what it says, quote, Recently, my church leadership have approached me in a loving and caring way concerning some accusations that have been made against me. In discussion with them, I can see where I have presented material from other people without giving credit. It thus could be seen as presenting it as my own. For this I am truly sorry. I will be contacting those whose material I have used, acknowledging my error and asking for forgiveness. I have also submitted myself to my leadership and will be taking a period of time off to receive ministry and obtain healing from my local church family. Uh, for the wider body of Christ, please accept my apology and please pray for me as I journey through to health and restoration in love, Amanda. Okay, so here we've got something of a sketch as to what's going on. This wasn't on the homepage. This was buried at the bottom of her about page and it's now that this blurb has totally disappeared, okay? But kind of concurrent with this then is all of Amanda Wells' prophecies whoosh, disappeared off the Elijah list without any explanation 
at all. And now when I look at the uh, at the website for Glory City Church, it appears Amanda has disappeared off the website for Glory City Church. And now this blurb of her apologizing, that's disappeared off of her about page. It's like, what is going on? And so I'm going to basically ask the question, is this a cover-up? See, here's the thing, is that a while back, Steve Schultz of the Elijah List gave his unflagging, complete support to the prophetic ministry of Amanda Wells. Here's the quote. In the last six months, God has specifically been highlighting a number of Australian prophets with awesome revelation for the church. I hope you'll grab hold of this revelation. I bear witness with with the words from Amanda Wells. So Steve Schultz claims that he his spirit was bearing witness with the words coming apparently from God through Amanda Wells. All right? But Amanda Wells for a long time it has been I mean just absolutely factually shown for a long time she has been a plagiarist and there's more to it than that. But uh let, let me read to you what well Catherine Runala said about Amanda Wells, quote, Amanda Wells is a well-known prophetic voice in our nation and nations around the world where she ministers. After 25 years in itinerant ministry, Amanda has a proven track record of accurate prophetic words. (laughs) No, Amanda Wells has a track record of saying nonsense, total ridiculous statements that have nothing to do with God, rightly handling God's word. We've chronicled it here at Fighting for the Faith. But uh, so, so she has a proven track record of accurate prophetic words and is an active member and valued part of the Australian Prophetic Council. Uh-huh. So we've got a problem here, all right? And that is, is that Amanda Wells, it has been demonstrated, is a plagiarist. She is apologized kind of. For it, and then the apology disappeared. And along with that, she's disappeared off the Glory City Church website. She has also disappeared off the Elijah list. But there is no warning from Steve Schultz, Catherine Runala, or anybody regarding Amanda Wells. And while all this is going down, there's a website that has come up and come to my attention, the name of which is Weeding Out Wells, and they've been really committed to demonstrating that Amanda Wells is a plagiarist, a habitual liar, and now uh, Amanda Wells' sister, Carrie, has, well, come out of the woodwork and has literally put forward a public statement saying... Amanda Wells has got major problems, and the things that Amanda has said about her family, her family members, and specifically her sister and other things, these are factually false statements on her part. And so what I'll do today is, uh, with today's episode, I'm going to put a link up to uh, this uh, preamble written by Carrie uh, regarding her sister and note the fact that now her, Amanda's own family members are coming forward to tell their story and to warn the church 
about Amanda, but there is no equal warning coming from Glory City Church. There's no equal warning coming from the Elijah list. She's just whoosh, disappeared, which basically you have to ask the question, what is the reason why she's whoosh, disappeared? Well, I think a good way of understanding the reason why she whoosh disappeared without a sound, without a peep, no explanation, is because it's obviously demonstrable she is a pathological liar. And being a pathological liar, that means they who gave gave their stamp of approval to her, who were in the apostolic upline, if you would, you know, providing apostolic covering for her, that they weren't really hearing from God. And so they can't say, listen, we got a bunch of true prophets here at the Elijah list, but it just so happens we inadvertently let a false prophet is through and the words that she was saying weren't really from God. Um, she was just making stuff up. They can't do that. <laughs> Then the reason they can't do that is because now, well, Steve Schultz, Catherine Runala, Shay On, Cindy Jacobs, all the people in their apostolic upline that are providing covering for them, all their reputations are literally on the line. Because if they didn't have the, well, I hate to use the word, clairvoyance, uh huh, they weren't hearing words of knowledge from the Lord saying, Remove the false prophetess from your midst. She's a plagiarizer and all this kind of... None, none of that. God didn't tell them any of that stuff. No, they had to learn it through the internet. Anyway, so yeah, this is kind of one of those things where I, I am noticing how this is going down. And this is starting to look like a cover-up. And the reality is this. Is And I know this from personal experience. Just listen to yesterday's episode if you don't know what I'm talking about, right? There will always be leaders in the church who lie. There will be those who will say what they need to say in order to get the platform that they want for their own selfish reasons. Whether that reason is, well, to be a celebrity, whether it's money or power, or sex, yes, that oftentimes comes along with it too. You know, they will be people who will manipulate others in order to get what they want. And the church must, when situations like that happen, warn people that this, and, and let them know that this person is not on the level, they're not who they made themselves out to be, and that these, that, you know, what they, and they, they have to do this not only because scripture tells us to, but because also the world is watching. And so the thing is, is that I'm looking at this and Amanda Wells, I mean, I mean, I have always thought from the first time I saw her that she was a, she was a taco short of a combo plate, that nothing she said represented any kind of biblical truth and that she was clearly always preaching about herself and telling all kinds of absurd Stories. And now it turns out 
she's made claims about her own personal life and her credentials. She at one time, several times, actually claimed to be a nurse but never had a nursing license. How is that possible? And apparently she's not told the truth about her own education and she's told flat-out lies on social media regarding her family members and things like this. And again, this all calls into question the prophetic Claims the claims to the prophetic of those who are in her apostolic upline, those providing covering for her, claiming to be hearing from the Lord. You, you get what I'm saying here. So, I mean, this is an interesting story and a developing one at that. Um, and uh, all I can note is that is that well, rather than warn the church about a wolf in our midst, somebody who is a liar who's you know, got some serious problems as a plagiarist and a thief, uh, the folks in the NAR, at least down in Australia, and, and, and Steve Schultz as well, they have decided that the way they're going to go about this is to sweep it under the rug. And that is not how you deal with somebody who is a false teacher in the church. All right, we're up on our first break, and there will be no Max Holiday in this uh, break. We're going to save that for the end of the first hour. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at pirate Christian. Quick break when we come back. I gotta grab my notes here. Yeah, Benny Hinn partnering with Chuck Pierce. And then we're also gonna be listening to Todd White as he narsajeets the cross. Stay tuned, don't wanna miss it. We'll be right back. We don't need to rethink Christianity, we need to rediscover it. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> no, oh, no, no, oh, a pirate's life for me. We pillage, we plunder, we rifle, we loot, drink up, be hearty, show ho. We kidnap and ravage and don't give a hoot, bring up, be hearty, show ho. This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, Our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches. back. 
Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that the way you deal with somebody who is abusing their positions within the church is to warn other people rather than sweep it under the rug. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. And you can partner with us. It is a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you're going to see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. When you join our crew... You get to pick your rank in our crew. Our uh, ranks are as follows. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. Gunner's Mate after that at $24.95 a month. And then Master Gunner at $49.95 a month. And, of course, Quartermaster at $99.95 a month. This is a great way to support us. It helps us have a solid financial base from which to operate and to plan our next exploits and Man, are we looking forward to 2017. That's all I got to say there. We've got some plans to kind of expand our media offering with uh, Pirate Christian Media next year. It'll start taking place in the summer, hopefully, uh, if uh, we can continue to head down the track that we're on. So if you haven't already joined our crew, please do so. Of course, if you would like to make a one-time contribution, you can do that by clicking on the Donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith, and then send it to Post Office Box 13344. Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we're doing here without it. All right, I didn't know what to do with this. Do Is this a televangelist update or a... We're going to go with NAR. Here, we got to do this. Chief, mate, what do you want to do tonight? Same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. The Pinky and the Brain. Yes, Pinky and the Brain. One is a genius, the other's insane. The laboratory mice, the genes have been sliced. They're Pinky, they're Pinky and the Brain. Brain, 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 brain. Before each night is done, their plan will be unfurled by the dawning of the sun. They'll take over the world, the pinky and the brain. Yes, pinky and the brain. The twilight campaign is easy to explain. To prove their mousy worth, they'll overflow the earth. They're pinky, they're pinky and the brain, 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 brain. brain. Alright, now if you've been listening to Fighting for the Faith for any length of time, then you are familiar with our Prophecy Open Mic segments. For those, we head down to Glory of Zion, where the Apostle, you have to put that in air quotes, the Apostle Chuck Pierce holds court, and um, we've noted over and again, when we do Prophecy Open Mic, I can't make heads or tails of anything that Chuck Pierce is supposedly saying that God the Holy Spirit is saying. And one of the more memorable ones was his claim that that the Holy Spirit that says there's a bulging sound membrane. <laughs> anyway, so with that as kind of our intro, I was you know, what was what was this? I shocked, um a little taken aback. That uh, that Benny Hinn, in no joke, invited Chuck Pierce to come and preach, prophesy, talk, and 
he really thought that Chuck Pierce was literally sending us pennies from heaven in the words that he was speaking. Here's Benny Hinn to point us to Chuck Pierce and then let Chuck Pierce start to spin out a bunch of nonsense. Of course, Benny Hinn will highlight some of the things and say, oh, please, say that again. And I don't know what to make of it. Here we go. And I want to, I want you to talk about where we are now, prophetically. Talk to them about what you were talking to me a few days ago, but then expand a little more on it, please, okay? Yeah, where we are prophetically. <laughs> we're in the middle of gobbledygook, right next to the season of the bulging sound membrane thingy that, yeah, that's where we are right now. It's, it's in the season of the shifts, you know, because that's what happens. <clears throat> but let, let, them, let him talk. Well, I think Pastor Tommy really opened up the door for where we are. We're at probably the most incredible crossroad that we could ever be in history. He talked about all the anointings of the past coming together. Let me Right, every one of them. I mean, all those past anointings, they're all just going to, you know, just squish right together, man. It's going to be like a anointing hamburger or something, you know. Show you one uh, slide that will help you understand time. Right. Yeah. Now, while they're getting that slide up there, because understanding time is key, because God's not in time, we're in time. And like Pastor uh, uh, Bishop Reed said, there. Yeah, I, I'm pretty familiar with time. Have you, uh, you know, I've known all about it. Oftentimes I seem to be running out of it. And, uh, Never seem to have quite enough of it. You know, I notice that my clocks, you know, they keep time and things like that. Um, and yeah, I understand that God's in eternity. I'm not quite sure how one experiences eternity, considering that it's out of time. But okay. Yeah. Is a, he predetermines, Acts 17 says, Pastor Benny, he predetermines your times and your place. So, see, faith works out of time and place. And so my role in the body of Christ over the years, I would say going back to the 80s, has been to try to help people understand the time we're living in and prophetically decree the time. Right, yeah. How, how does one go about prophetically decreeing the time? Yeah, I'm... I'm a, somewhat at a loss here. So that we move forward. Now, remember in the Bible. The prophetic time right now, folks, it's uh, 413. Don't know what that means, but um, yeah, that's important. You have the sons of Issachar. Yeah. The sons of Issachar was a tribe, one of the 12 tribes. And the sons of Issachar in First Chronicles 1232 understood time... So they could tell Israel what to do. But they worked with Zebulun. You're always going to see Judah going first, Issachar, and Zebulun. Judah must go first. So praise. Praise. But Judah was not just praise. They were the warring tribe of leaders. <laughs> I, just, I don't get it. I don't understand. Judah first. Issachar was second because they had to understand time. Now, just hear this, because 
They knew when Israel needed to shift from Saul to David. They did. Wow, I, that's a, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> which biblical text says that Issachar knew when to shift from Saul to David? You know, I, I let me see this. First Chronicles. Hang on a second here. First Chronicles twelve, I think, is the chapter that we're in that's uh, being referred to here. I think it's verse thirty-two. Hang on a second here. This is just bizarre. Okay. So Issachar is meant to, Issachar, the men who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do, 200 chiefs and all of their kinsmen under the command. Okay, so that's it. Second, First Chronicles 12, 32. Kind of a one-time <laughs> message there in Scripture. Okay, uh, next. Now, why did they know that? They knew the word of God. They knew what God had said, what he was looking for in a king. Now, the difference between Saul and... Where does it say they knew to shift from Saul to David? David was really one thing, the ark of God's presence. And you watch today those that lose the presence of God and... Do not honor the presence of God. You're in a group here with someone leading you to say the presence of God will be central. You lose the presence of God. That's what creates a Saul church. It's not an old person. All right. So a Saul church is the church that loses the presence of God. But Jesus said where two or more are gathered in his name, he's there. How do you lose the presence of God exactly? It's not someone who's got uh, age on them. It is where Saul could have cared less about getting the ark repositioned where God wanted it. Say that again. Saul. (laughs) Say that again. Say that again. He, He didn't say anything. Why do you want him to say it again? Cared less about getting the ark repositioned where God wanted it for the future. And how do you know this? I mean, where in Scripture does it say Saul, you know, that he should have cared where God wanted to position the ark, but he, he could care less? You just make something up? David was determined, even though his first attempt he did wrong. He was determined to get the ark positioned. Issachar knew the times so they could help all of Israel make its transition toward the next move of God's presence. Yeah, that you're putting a lot into that one sentence. I am here to announce to you tonight we're on the verge of a new move of God's presence. And you're going to announce, are you, do you claim to have the Issachar anointing? See, he's announcing the new move of God's presence. Wow. Okay. He is realigning us, gathering us in a new way so we can make the shift. It doesn't matter. The realignment shift thing, that's kind of important. See, but when I hear words like that, I think of like my vehicle, you know, in the shop, you know. I I need to work on the alignment and, you know, the shifter thingy, you know, you got to fix that. (laughs) 
If you even made mistakes in your past season, he's ready to get you realigned if you're looking for the presence of God. All right, he's going to realign you if you're looking for the. Right, so there you go. I mean, I could go on, but I think it would just belabor the point. Um, we got a problem here, Houston, and that is, you know, Chuck Pierce, who makes no lucid sense. Go ahead and go back and try to outline these sentences, okay, and see if you can come up with an application here that actually makes any biblical sense whatsoever. I mean, he was making claims that are just not there in the Bible, you know, kind of overcooking, you know, the Issachar thing. And there's Benny Hinn. Oh, say that again. Say that again. I don't know what's happened to the visible church, but it's as if, well, delusions are, well, all the rage now. And nonsense and non-lucid thinking, nonsensical sentences and words that have nothing to do with what the Bible says. People sitting there going, oh, this is the best thing ever. Oh, man, it's going to change my life. And then when they get home, I dare them to, well, see if they can apply any of this because none of it actually makes any sense at all. I think you get the point. So now our next segment here, our next segment, we're, we're going to keep this under the NAR because Todd White technically is an NAR guy. He recently appeared on the Trinity Broadcasting Network and uh, <laughs> Todd White Clearly, the man tans and he's got dreadlocks. Um, he did something that is, well, the best way I can put it is he took a satirical sketch from Max Holiday that we did several years ago when we released the uh, the Budgie Cuts 2 album. And um, he has now <laughs> decided that he's going to narcissize, um, well, the cross of Christ. And uh, let's listen as he does it, and then we'll compare it to uh, our rendition. But here's Todd White. I love moving in gifting, but I never have moved in a gift outside of his love. So I've always moved and understood the value that Mm. God has placed on my life. Mm. The value was placed on my life was determined by the cost that was paid for me. See the cross. Yeah, see the value of his life is the value of the cost paid for him. You know, this isn't just the revelation of my sin; it's the revealing of my value. Something underneath of that sin must have been of great value for heaven to go bankrupt to get me back. Mm. So Jesus paid such a high price for me on that tree. Mm. And when I see that, I see my value. So when I look at the cross, I can't sing that song, I'll never know how much it costs. I have to sing, I need to know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. Mm. Because when Jesus was put on that cross, God determined my value. Because all of that was my value. That right there, in the world, if you're going to buy a car. Yeah, you see, that's kind of the, that's backwards. Yeah, the, the word grace um, actually means unmerited favor. The fact that we are saved by grace means that it's totally unmerited. This flips grace on its head and turns grace into, well, actually, uh, the reason why you were saved is because, not not because you didn't merit it, it's because your worth merited God paying that price for you. This totally gets rid of what uh, of the doctrine of grace. And Scripture says you are saved by grace through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the 
gift of God. That's what Ephesians 2 says. So he's flipped this so that you're not saved by grace, which is unmerited favor. You are saved because your worth is so valuable that God had to pay the price because he just had to get you. I mean, you just haven't realized how valuable you are. Let's listen a little more. And someone says, hey, I want you to give me $150,000 for this car that's worth 3000 You'd never do it because it's not worth it. If you were to buy a house and that house they wanted to get, you wanted $10 million for a house, but it was worth $150,000. You'd never pay the money because it's not worth it. Well, if in the world what's paid for something determines the value of that thing, then that's what heaven did to purchase me. That, much make, that must make me of very great value to the Father. See, no. we've said that we're worth... Oh, I mean, this is upside down. Doesn't this tell you how God has demonstrated his great love for you? Considering the fact there are a lot of people, of clearly of, of a lot of value, in hell, uh, we got a problem here. And we're worms in the dirt, right. not realizing that that's what Satan is. Satan's a worm in the dirt, and he's worthless. And he's trying to recreate himself in the soul of Christians. Yeah. He is. Yeah. See, Satan, Satan can't dethrone God, but he is so determined that he can dethrone Jesus from the soul of man. So he's after your mind, your will, your emotions, because he knows that a lot of Christians won't pick up this book and get in the book to find out what God says about us. Mm. And so instead, we go from teacher to teacher to teacher to teacher, from pastor to pastor to pastor to pastor, from different things to try to find out who God is, but never establish the mm. personal relationship and intimacy mm. that God wants to have with us, his kids, father and son. Uh. Not exegeting any biblical text. Now, years ago, when we came out with the Max Holiday Budgie Cuts 2 album, we put together a sketch uh, that, because already I was starting to hear this, um, you know, years ago when we put this album together, you know, this type of theology and how cockeyed and screwy it was because the emphasis was no longer on what, on God's mercy and grace to us who have earned and deserved his wrath and eternal punishment. Instead, the emphasis was on, well, if, I mean, if, the, you know, if the cost was so great, I mean, that must mean that somehow I'm really amazing. And so this is the sketch that we came up with when we released the Budgie Cuts 2 album and see if you can recognize the uh, theology for what it is. Here we go. <coughs> Holidays Birdcage Theatre presents Church Day Select. Oh, goody! How many are coming? Um, two people. Well, what are their names? Uh, their names are. Welcome, George Hayworth and Raymond Stewart. Whoa, dude. Your GPS knows, like, who's getting in the car and stuff? Yeah, you know, it's like the newest model. My dad works for some big technology company called Cyberdyne. And, you know, he gave it to me as a birthday gift, but man, it's so smart, it's, like, really creepy. Huh, okay, man, this it's cool. I guess we're going over to Luke's house then? Yeah. Hey! 
GPS. What can I do for you? Could you like plot our route to Luke's house? Plotting route to Luke's house. There is an accident on the I-95 freeway, approximately 10 miles from your current location. Do you wish to take the side streets? Well, I guess we're gonna have to. Yeah, go ahead and take the side streets. Recalculating. And we're on our way, dude. In 300 feet, make a left turn. So Ray, what'd you think about the sermon last Sunday? Yeah, I thought it was okay. I guess. Okay, dude, it like totally changed my life. What do you mean, bro? In half a mile, make a right turn. Well, I was meditating on the whole Jesus died for me thing, and then I realized that by doing that, Jesus was saying to me, "Dude, you are so worth it." Yeah, I know that, man. Yeah, but it's even better than that. Really, man? Like, how so? Well, think about it. Not only does Jesus's death prove that I was worth it, well. That also means that I have some ridiculously important dream destiny that I'm supposed to fulfill. Well, how do you figure? Well, Jesus is the Son of God, right? Right. Well, that means it wasn't some third-rate angel that died for me, right? Yeah, you're right. Turn right in 500 feet. Fact. Jesus, he's like the most important dude in the whole universe. And if Jesus is the most important dude in the whole universe, well, he wouldn't waste his time dying for a nobody. So, the way I figure, that means I must really be a somebody, and, and that means that the reason why Jesus died for me is so that I can accomplish some ridiculously important destiny. I mean, after all, important people don't waste their time dying for. Unimportant people. Make a right turn in fifty feet. All right, dude. I think I'm tracking with you now. So I'm thinking, I've got like some uber cosmic destiny that I've got to achieve. I bet there's some planet on the other side of the galaxy that I'm the one that's supposed to save it. You've just missed the turn. Recalculating. So that make you like Luke Skywalker or something? Not even. I mean, I've got to be way more important than Luke Skywalker. In 500 feet, please make an illegal U-turn. So you're like Yoda. Don't insult my greatness, dude. Remember, the Son of God died for me. Whoa, 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 dude! Like, who would be greater than Yoda? I feel like I'm being ignored. The Force itself, dude. You think you're as important as the Force? That would make you like God. Now you're finally starting to see the light, dude. You morons! You are both wrong. You are both sinners who truly deserve death and hell. You're not God. You're not the Force. You're not Yoda, and you're certainly not Luke Skywalker. You're just two guys who are ten feet from the edge of a very treacherous cliff. Oh,、uh, well, I guess if I was a god, I would have seen this coming. Now you're finally starting to see the light. Too soon. Ah! One second thought. Let's just get on to the next sketch. <sighs> yeah, that sketch was released in June of 2012. <laughs>
So, I mean, we're, we're sometimes a little bit ahead of the curve, and that kind of proves one of the things I say from time to time is I hate doing satire sometimes because oftentimes the church will end up parodying itself. Todd's White, Todd White's theology is not an actual revealed theology. This is uh, basically a weird way of reading the scripture by reading in, well, what goes on in the housing market or things like that, you know, to somehow, you know, determine a theology. But over and again, the scriptures demonstrate that in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. The emphasis is on what Christ has done for us and that we are the sinners saved by Christ, not because of any merit on our part, but because of God's rich mercy and grace. So what this theology that he's putting forward does robs Christ of his glory and ultimately exalts us <laughs> in a way that is just, well, borderlines on the satanic. I think you get the point. All right, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Christian. Quick break when we come back. It's our first ever Shay On sermon review. Yeah, at Glory City Church. These people are in the upline of Amanda Wells. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Sissyoprified religiosity won't save you. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Pirate Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... You're listening to Byron Christian Radio. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Oi, Captain! We got ourselves a heretic! (laughs) And exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich. (laughs) And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, we throw them in the boo box. No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box.
is to heretic. To R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today. Number two of Fighting for the Faith Sermon uh, Review Time. This is a first for us. I can't believe I've gone this long without reviewing a Shay On sermon. I'm gonna remedy that. I'm gonna try to get a <laughs> Catherine Kuhlman sermon in too this week. Let's do this right. The good, the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon comes to us via Glory City Church back in October of 2015. The Apostle Shayon preached there. We're going to note he's doing the apostolic thing. He's speaking as an apostle. He's giving them the strategy that he's receiving from God for them, which kind of begs the question, since Shayon is the apostle of note over there at uh, Glory City Church, Amanda Wells was quite active at this time and also was already, well, the culprit in the pulpit. Uh Uh-huh. How come God, in speaking to Shayon, the apostle there, and giving them the word for Glory City Church didn't say, Hey, you know that Amanda Wells woman, she's a plagiarist, she's a habitual liar, she lies about herself, her own stories, her credentials, she steals other people's stuff and treats it as if it's her own. She's a false prophet. You need to do something about that. Why is that? You kind of get the point. So let me go ahead and back off on the music. We're going to play the introduction to... Uh, Shayon for this particular sermon because I think the introduction is well quite helpful and uh, here we go. Hello, hello, beloved. To you, you are in for a treat today. It's wonderful to have Papa Shay with us. And uh, yeah, that's Runala. Notice what she called him, Papa Shay. Hmm. I find that fascinating because do you know what Pope is? It's a papa. Mm-hmm. So he's a pope. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not joking. In the ancient world, the, the, the pope was the papa. So we got an apostolic papa here. Fascinating. I just know you will be so blessed. It's his first time in the house. So welcome, Jay. It's just a, a joy to have you with us. Tom and I are in Korea. And I tell you, it's such a treat to be here with him. I don't always get to travel with him, and it's just, uh, I could get used to this. He is such a joy to be with. And uh, we're about to start meetings. I'm off to a meeting this morning, and we've got two weeks of fairly full-on schedule, but really hungry people, so I value your prayers, and uh, and thank you. And uh, next week, we've got Matt Sorger with us, so you are in for a feast this month. No, Matt, <laughs> unless <laughs> the feast is garbage and rubbish, yeah, 
Sorger is, it's nonsense what he teaches. God has got so much that he's just doing. And I know you love Matt and Stephanie. They're personal friends and they carry such an anointing. You will be so blessed. So bring everybody you know. Uh, it's an opportunity you don't want to miss out on. I think they're with us Friday and Sunday. Uh, so try to make the effort to be there for both services. You will not regret it. I want to say thank you to our wonderful team doing a wonderful job. I'm going to pray that God will do wonderful signs and wonders and miracles and that many will be saved and healed and delivered and come to know their identity in Jesus while I'm away. And I just want to thank you for partnering with me in prayer. And I want to tell you I love you. And I'm slightly jealous about all the wonderful things that you've got coming up over the next couple of weeks. But um, we'll be watching the live stream. I also want to thank the live stream team. You do such a great job. Love to everybody. Lord, bless you. I pray, Father, that you would so encourage their hearts today. Lord, refresh them. Bless their families. Bless them indeed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have, um, yeah, just, I would say, amazing, um, not just apostle, but he's more, he's a, a father of fathers. So he's an apostle. Did you catch that? He's an apostle. Uh There haven't been those since the, well, the last of the apostles died. Uh, The amount of people that Che has pulled together uh, in a network and amount of uh, unity that he's added in the body of Christ. When we first looking at joining HAMOs with Catherine. Yeah, claiming to be an apostle does not create unity. That creates division. Mm Mm-hmm. Division between truth and error, heresy and sound doctrine. Praying about it. She was with Shampa Rice. Let me know Shampa. Little Shampa, she's awesome. And she just looked at Catherine and said, join HIM. You'll get wild favor. Wild favor. Catherine was like, ooh, okay, I better look at this. And no word of a lie, it was, it was probably around the same time that she joined HIM. Uh, that wild favor began to happen. The church began to shift and uh, people began to be added. Um, amazing people began to go with us. Uh, Wes and Stacey Campbell uh, gave one of the foundational words for the church, a real core word here when we first moved into this building in 2010. And, uh, and that really helped to, to set us up. We had other ministers as well that are all a part of HIM, Charles Stock, Brian Simmons, Passion Translation. How many love that? And uh, love Brian. He's a real father to the house. And, uh, and all these people are, are, have recognized uh, Che and his leadership and uh, the anointing that's on his life, the favor. And, uh, and we believe in, in covering. We believe in uh, apostolic connection, uh, but also apostolic relationship. That is not just a business agreement, but it's a relational connection. And, uh, and I know Catherine is able to call Che whenever she needs to, if she's ever got questions, the wisdom that he has on his life is so rich. The revelation that he has in his life is so rich. And so we're really lucky to, to uh, have him with us today to begin to receive from that ourselves. Uh, the newest book that he has just written, God Wants to Bless You, How to Experience the Unconditional Goodness of God. Oh, come on. How rich does that say? I just want to say he's rich in wisdom, rich in revelation. It just how to experience the unconditional goodness of God. Guess how many copies we have of these here today? Five. Thanks, Che. Thanks very much. So um, uh, please don't um, fight each other uh, at the back. 
what we've done is they have uh, a little card. You can actually get this card for free. The book is $15. I should make it 50 but uh, it's $15. But you can also grab one of these, and that's a um, uh, direction with a 15% off your next purchase. It's a uh, direction on how to get the book, and uh, it'll be sent to you. And uh, uh, Joe's telling me Catherine's saying hi right now on live stream. Hi. Hi. There we are. So thank you, Lord. So we're going to take up an offering. And when you receive uh, a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. And I really want to tell you, he is a father of fathers, apostle of apostles. And, and so we really want to honor him. And we really want to bless him. And we're a church that believes in honor and blessing. And, and, uh, and so if you need a credit card, step again, um, just raise your hand. All right. We're going to fast forward a little bit now to when Shayon himself actually comes up on the stage and begins to do the apostle thing. So here is uh, Shayon. Papa Shay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. You made me see that. Thank you very much. I apologize for just bringing five books. And uh, but if you get the um, if you get the card, uh, you could order with fifteen percent off. And uh, and I really believe that uh, you'll be blessed by the book. I want to just say hi to Tom and Catherine as they're watching on live stream. And what an honor to minister to those who are watching around the world. And uh, you know, it's amazing the power of media. Uh, God is so good. We we have HROC TV, and there's information on how you could uh, log on for free and hear some of the greatest teachers that have been through our doors, and we have conferences all the time. And so just recently, we had uh, you know people like Bill Johnson, Peter Wagner, Cindy Jacobs, who was just at our conference. <laughs> wow, who's who of, in the NAR there? In August, and so... Anyway, it's just a privilege to be here. It's ironic that Catherine's in Korea, and I'm here in Australia. For those who don't know, I'm Korean. So, And by the way, I see some Asians, and as a nation, we know how to tell the difference between the Chinese and Korean, as well as Japanese. Can I tell you a, a little cross-cultural tip here so you can be sensitive to discern correctly? Are you open to that? All right, it's very, very simple. If you see a rich-looking Asian, they're Chinese. And by the way, that's not a joke. They have just surpassed United States in GDP. If you see a smart-looking Asian, they're Japanese. They'll take whatever we invent and make it better in America. If you see a handsome-looking Asian, he's Korean. So that's how you tell the difference between the three. Okay, so very simple cross-culture tip. Well, what an honor to be here, and I've been so looking forward to being with you. And, uh, I, and to be honest, I wanted to come uh, several years ago, but just circumstances, it's just very hard for me to leave uh, on a Sunday. And uh, I could have ministered in the midweek, but uh, normally I'll, I'll fly back and preach on a Sunday. But uh, we've been in transition ourselves. And my son, Gabriel, how many of you heard Pastor Gabe when he was here? He has taken over the church. He's now the new senior pastor. And so he's now released me to run uh, and, and miss a Sunday or two. And so it's a privilege to be here on a Sunday. And uh, talking about uh, family, uh, you know, I, I look at Sarah. I've known her, I don't know, 27 years ago. How old were you? 20? You were like two. You were newborn. I, I remember carrying you around. Sarah, why don't you stand up and let people know who you are? This is Bruce and Cheryl Lindley's daughter. And I, I mean, I just can't believe it. I was holding her in my, you know, in my arms as a newborn. And um, 
And they were part of our church in Pasadena when her dad was going to seminary at Fuller Seminary. So uh, it's amazing to see how you had that double portion anointing of your dad as she got up here to share that word of encouragement. Wasn't that awesome? Give her a hand. I'll tell you, God's raising up your generation to usher in the greatest revival in the history of the church. And I, I came last year and I shared at the HIM conference that we had Lauren Cunningham in our church for the first time. And Lauren turned 80. He's the founder of Youth with a Mission. How many know who I'm talking about, Lauren Cunningham? He's uh, one of the great leaders. He is a founder of the largest missionary organization, Youth with a Mission, with around 40,000 missionaries. And he had an incredible vision in January of 2014. Now, before I share this vision, he qualified that in 60 years of ministry, He's only had three open visions, so it's not like he's getting visions every week, like some of you are getting, you know? So we're. No, I'm going to note this. The Bible is sitting literally closed on the podium there, he, but he's going to share an open vision that somebody had, yeah. And uh, it's, it's amazing to hear all the prophetic words that are coming forth uh, today. Then, uh, I mean, I've been a believer now 42 years, and we're living in the most exciting period of church history. But uh, Lauren Cunningham shared that the first vision he had was in Korea in 1960. Now, Korea in 1960 was the poorest nation in the world. Uh, the average person made around 20 U.S. dollars annually. So we're talking about pennies, living on pennies per day. And he was standing on the street corner of Seoul, downtown Seoul, Korea. There was not one car. There was not even a person on a bicycle. But he had this open vision. He just saw the streets filled with brand new cars. He saw skyscrapers. And he said, Lord, why are you showing me this? And the Lord spoke to him that Korea will one day be one of the wealthiest nations and Korea will be the number one mission sending and mission giving nation per capita." And he was speaking at a pastor's conference. And so uh, the Lord says, share that and encourage the uh, Korean pastors. So he shared that open vision and encouraged them and said, one day you're going to be the number one mission sending, mission giving nation. And basically, they laughed at him, and they said, you know, thank you, all due respect. We can't even afford to support our pastor, let alone some missionary overseas. Well, of course, that word has come to pass. Korea is now the number one mission-sending, mission-giving nation per capita. Of course, United States still number one, but you have 300 people in the United States and 45 million in South Korea. And, um, and Korea is also the 11th richest nation, and so God's really blessed that nation because of revival and reformation. Amen. Let's give Jesus praise for that. Yeah, how do we know this was from God again? Just because Cunningham said? Yeah, this is... Uh, uh-huh, okay. The second vision he had, Lauren Cunningham had, is that he saw the, fall, the Berlin Wall and the fall of communism in the early 80s. And he was in Europe speaking to pastors. So he shared that prophetically. They thought he was crazy because we were in the midst of the Cold War at that time. But sure enough, 1989, the wall fell. Communism, as we know of, is no longer there. We have an apostle in Vladivostok who has planted over 150 churches in Russia now. And uh, it's just so amazing. I just came back from Russia in June. And to see the freedom and uh, see the church, they're so hungry in Russia. And so that word came to pass. So he got my attention with two credible words that no one thought would be feasible, but came to pass. Well, the vision he had in January, he saw a 70-foot tsunami wave hit the globe and just cover the globe. 
And, and he asked the Lord, what is this? And the Lord spoke to him and said, this is going to be the greatest revival in the history of the church. Yeah, we've been hearing this from the NAR for a long time. It's going to be the fulfillment of Habakkuk 2.14 that the glory of the knowledge of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And so the Bible says, the Bible says the kingdoms of the world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever in Revelation 11.15. And so we see that we're going to see nations saved. We're going to see, you know, there are one billion Muslims who have never heard the gospel. And I really believe that we're going to see a massive revival. It's happening right now. Even in Indonesia, the largest Muslim nation in the world is now 35% born again. Revival is broken out in Indonesia. And, um, and I think even with the Syrian refugee crisis, uh, you know, they're hearing the gospel because they're now going to nations. For example, our, our church in Sofia, Bulgaria, our apostolic center there has taken in hundreds of refugees from Syria and their Muslim background. And we're just loving on them, feeding them, giving them shower, giving them warm meals. And how many know the love of Jesus never fails to return void? And so that's what we're doing, just loving on them and we're believing the gospel. The love of Jesus never returns void? I thought that was the word of God. And preaching the gospel actually requires you to use words. Is going to penetrate their heart. And so we're living the very exciting period. And one more uh, prophetic word I wanted to give you from uh, Bob Jones. You know, Bob Jones. Bob Jones. <laughs> yeah, so he, again, the Bible is literally sitting closed on the podium thus far. But of course, Papa Shea, the apostle, is, well, giving them strategy and prophecy, you know, the word of the Lord for what to prepare for next. That's what this is. Many of you have heard of him, but he's a passed away, passed away in 2014 at the age of 80. And, um, and uh, you know, I wasn't really close to him, but he was a tremendous mentor to major prophets today, like Bobby Connor would say Bob Jones was his mentor, Sean Bolts, who was just with us at the HIM conference, would say uh, Bob Jones was his mentor, Jeremy Nelson, the list goes on. But... Um, but I was with Bob Jones two months before he passed away, and he prophesied and said, are you ready for the harvest boy? And I said, Bob, not really, because, you know, I know what I experienced during the Jesus People Movement in 1973, where we overnight had 2,000 people in our Bible study, and this was being led by a 19 and a 21-year-old. And we were seeing people get out of wheelchairs, the deaf heard, and every Tuesday night at this Bible study, we would see 150 to 200, without exaggeration, getting saved. And this was at the tail end of the Jesus People Movement. And so when he said, are you ready for the harvest? I said, no, I'm not ready. Globally, now we have a responsibility. We're in 60 nations with HIM. And I said, you know, if, if it starts coming in, and he said, well, you better get ready. It's going to come fast and furious. And then I was reminded of a prophetic word that he gave in 1983. He prophesied the harvest of one billion souls will begin after three signs take place in society. And, and the one billion soul harvest will be the leaders that God will raise up for the second wave of harvest of billions of souls being saved. So just listen to this prophetic word. One billion will get saved after three things happen. 
And he said this in 1983, and he said the first thing is that America will invent a pill that's an abortion pill, after-morning pill. And after having a relationship, you take this pill and the, the baby will be aborted. Well, in 1997... In the United States, the Food Drug Administration approved of a pill that now you can get. Again, the Bible still sits closed. He's speaking prophetically as an apostle, giving the church strategy, you know, to prepare for what's coming down the pike. This is kind of like an astrology reading of sorts to tell you the future. It's like going to see a psychic or something. At the, over the counter at Walmart and uh, a drugstore. And so that is now the first sign. The second sign, he said, is that... United States will legalize same-sex marriage. Now, when he said this in 1983, I mean, he was just criticized and, and, and accused of being a false prophet. And they said, no way America will legalize same-sex marriage. Well, this year, this June, the Supreme Court legalized same-sex marriage. So the second sign. The third sign, he said, is this, is that the Chinese will be, will be wearing a watch in the rice paddies of China, listening to worship music and watching worship music. And this year, the iWatch came out by... So there you go. The Billion Soul Harvest is upon us because the iWatch came out. What about his Carolina Panthers prophecy? That turned out to be a dud. They haven't won yet. Yeah, Regarding the Super Bowl, you know. Oh, and it's the number one selling watch in China. And it's amazing. When I was a kid, you know, I would watch the Dick Tracy cartoon show, you know, of Dick Tracy talking. Well, I have one. Not because of the prophecy, my, my wife and my children gave it to me for Father's Day this past June. But, uh, you know, it's amazing. I talked to my wife, and since I've been here, she's been calling me, and I've been talking to my wife on my watch, the third sign. And so here, two of the signs took place this year, the billion soul harvest. So how are we to get ready for that? What are we supposed to do? Yeah, well, how can you strategize and get ready for the billion soul harvest? I mean, the iWatch just came out. I mean, do you not understand the times? So you see what's going on here. He's an apostle. Apostles are supposed to give strategy to, you know, this is what generals do. I mean, when, I, you know, you read see Peter Wagner's works on the apostles. And, of course, I've written a paper, posted it at uh, piratechristian.com in my captain's blog about, you know, modern-day apostles where I lay out what it is that C. Peter Wagner claims that the apostles are supposed to be doing. The, the God has restored the general. So he's speaking as a general now, giving strategy, prophetic strategy to, well, one of the churches that is, that, that is under him in his prophetic apostolic <laughs> covering and giving them strategy. So how do you get ready for the billion soul harvest? Let's open up our Bibles to, no, that's not what he's doing. It, again, the Bible still is closed on his podium. Since I believe that it's my job is I'm to raise up as many apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to uh, be commissioned, to be empowered, because we need leadership. So in order to prepare for the billion soul harvest, Cheon is, is raising up a bunch of apostles to get ready for the, the, the billion soul harvest thingy. Uh-huh. Or the harvest, and... It was such a privilege to commission 40 apostles and prophets this past week uh, at the HRM conference. The second thing I'm doing is I'm trying to establish apostolic centers around the world. And we are, this is an apostolic center, and there's a difference between local church. Glory and City Church is an apostolic center. Did you hear that? <laughs> That's what he just said. 
And all I can say is, wow. Let me back this up so you can hear it again in context. A commission to be empowered because we need leadership for the harvest. And it was such a privilege to commission 40 apostles and prophets this past week uh, at the HM conference. The second thing I'm doing is I'm trying to establish apostolic centers around the world. And we are, this is an apostolic center, and there's a difference between local church and apostolic center. The main difference is that whoever's leading the apostolic center has to be called as an apostle. And I've had the privilege of commissioning your pastor, Catherine, to be an apostle, not just a... Uh, what? So Catherine Runala is an apostle. Now, Shayon made her one. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. The church pastor. And so this is an apostolic center as a hub of equipping and launching and sending people out. And so that's what an apostolic center does. And we use it. Yeah, sending people out like until recently, Amanda Wells. Metaphor, a picture of an aircraft carrier that the planes come in, get refueled, get repaired, and they're launched out again. And so you're going to see people coming in, being equipped, refreshed, and being launched out and deployed again, over and over again. And that's what an apostolic center does. And so we're really living in a very exciting time. And so my goal is to establish an apostolic center in every major city around the world. And so, uh, you know, we got a lot so of... So we got apostolic aircraft carriers being launched by Shayon in every city around the world. Wow. Dude, this is just doing our part in our network of Harvest International Ministry. We're living the most exciting period of what I would call the apostolic reformation. I need to explain that. And he's talking openly. This is what he calls the apostolic reformation. You no, know, the reformation, the Protestant reformation with Martin Luther, he came and he restored three major truths. The priesthood of all believer, mean justification by faith, faith through grace. And he restored the word for the common person. Before, only the Catholic priest could read and was in Latin. But Martin Luther translated the Bible into common German. Yeah, it doesn't matter um, that he did that at this point regarding you because you're not actually even preaching the word. You haven't even opened it yet. When it just exploded, we would say it went viral. And the average person started to read the Bible and all of a sudden the scales came off their eyes because the Catholic Church, and this is not casting this person on Catholic Church, I love the whole church, and I have a lot of born-again, spirit-filled Catholic a priest for my friends. And I believe the Pope, Pope Francis, who was just in our country, is a spirit-filled Catholic uh, believer. In fact, Stacy Campbell prophesied to him at a Catholic charismatic conference in Buenos Aires several years ago. Stacy Campbell, the woman who shakes her head uncontrollably. And said, one day you're going to be the Pope. And uh, by the way, she said the uh, Vatican has contacted her. They've traced who she is because they wanted to find out who prophesied to uh, the Cardinal at that time in Buenos Aires. And, uh, and so uh, the doors were opening up for Stacy to have an audience with the Pope. Because he didn't... So the Pope thinks Stacy Campbell's a legitimate prophetess. Wow. That prophetic word. And so he loves the Holy Spirit. He received the word. And, um, but the Reformation, which is... We're still feeling the repercussions of that. I mean... One truth, for example, you know, the Bible says, um, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That one verse, Matthew four seventeen, the way the Catholics translated it 
that verse is do penance for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so, in other words, give money to buy your way into heaven, out of purgatory, into heaven. But when you see the word repent, it just means, it's the Greek word metanoia, means to turn from your sins, actually, literally means to change your thinking, all right? To do a paradigm shift, and then turn from sin, for heaven's now within reach. I mean, no, you don't have to die to experience heaven, that you could have heaven here on earth. On earth as it is in heaven, and that's a revelation that we're still walking. You can have heaven here on earth. That's not what we're actually praying in the Lord's Prayer. Another truth that uh, God restored was, uh, and this this seems so basic. You are familiar with the fact that in the Reformation, sola scriptura was, was restored. And that the schwermerai, the swarmers, you know, the enthusiasts, you know, Martin Luther soundly, roundly, vehemently, boldly stood against them. Yeah, that Shayan would be one of those. But the priesthood of all believers. Now, the way Martin Luther translated that is that you don't need a priest as a mediator. You could go directly to God the Father and pray. And he will hear your prayers and your sins will be forgiven, etc. So you don't need to go to confession and to have the priest say, say five Hail Marys and whatever, and then your sins will be forgiven. Yeah, he clearly does not understand medieval Catholicism and Lutheran Reformation. Wow. But we're understanding the priesthood of believers is that all of us are ministers. The revelation that we're receiving is that it's not just for those who are in vocational full-time ministry. The fact is, in America, I don't know what the stat would be in Australia, but in the United States, only 1% of the church is in full-time ministry like me. 99% are in the marketplace. It is ridiculous to think that 1% is going to fulfill the Great Commission and disciple nations and bring about revival and reformation. No, our job is to equip you. For the work of ministry. All of you are priests. The Bible says you're a royal priesthood, First Peter 2, 9. The Bible says you're kings and priests in Revelation 5, 10. And how many priests do we have here? How many ministers do we have here? Listen, every hand should go up unless you're not born again. And if you're not born again, then I have good news for you because I'm going to give an invitation at the end of the service that you can give your heart to Jesus Christ and be part of the priesthood of all believers. And so we're in this period where God is bringing about reformation of the church and of society. And so I mentioned apostolic reformation. What he's doing is he's raising up apostles. He's getting the government of the church in order. Did you hear that? God's getting the government of the church in order. Apostles, Shayon being one of them. Verse 2.20 says the church is founded upon apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus being the cornerstone. You know, it's, it says it's, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. They're the foundation. It doesn't say, oh, man, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. Once the church gets the government in place, then the harvesting can come. and we can. Yeah, the harvest can't come until you get the apostolic government in place. Wow. Better job of um, empowering people. Uh, to prepare for the next wave that will be coming afterwards. And so I'm so excited to see how uh, you are welcoming uh, apostles and prophets from H.I.M. Brian Simmons is an apostle commissioned in H.I.M. He's part of our apostolic king. And uh, Matt Sorger, 
uh, again, is one of the prophets that we commission as a prophet. But I think he's a prophet, um, apostle, and you're going to be just blessed. He moves in extraordinary signs and wonders. So I want to give my two cents. Mike, Mark Sor- <laughs> Sorger, Matt Sorger, false teacher. That means he's a false prophet. To encourage you to be here uh, next week. I want you to turn with me, Psalm 67. This song- so finally we get God's word open. I am not confident he's going to exegete it properly. It's the basis of my book, God Wants to Bless You. And so I've been living in this song for the last uh, two years. And Bill Johnson said Psalm 67 may be the chapter that the Holy Spirit's really highlighting in the whole Bible. Not just in Psalms, but in the whole Bible. And so this is a very significant psalm for our time, significant chapter. And I want to just go through this and ask the Holy Spirit just to give us revelation. In fact, let me pray right now. Father, your word says that you want to give us a spirit of wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of you in Ephesians 1.17. And as Paul prayed that prayer, we pray along with that in, in agreement that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you and your word. Reveal your character to us. Reveal your holiness. Reveal your goodness. That you're a good, good father who desires to bless your children. The word says in Luke 12, 32, Fear not, little flock, for it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Lord, you don't want to hold anything back from us. And so we receive the revelation. We receive your kingdom by faith in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Psalm 67. Now, before he gets to, oh, man. Yeah, he's, a, he's already just a train wreck. Um, Psalm 67, let's take a look at it without him for a minute here. Let's see if we can figure out what's going on without him, because I'm just confident he's going to muddy this up. Uh, Psalm 67, verse 1, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. So you'll notice here that we're getting part of the uh, the you know the high priestly thing from uh, the the Mosaic covenant. May you know the the uh, the benediction is where this shows up in liturgical uh, churches. So may the, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face to shine on us, that Your way may be known on earth, Your saving power among all the nations. Let the peoples praise You, O God. Let all the peoples praise You. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. You can already see the way he's going to go. He's going to say, look, at it says nations. It says nations. So this is the billion soul heart. Yeah, you kind of see where this is heading. Oh, man. It's a harvest psalm. It's a psalm that is read during harvest time in Israel. And it's a psalm of blessing. But here's the point of the blessing I want to say from the offset. Throughout the scripture, when you read about blessing, it's in conjunction to souls being saved. It's in conjunction with the blessing going from you to others. It's not just being blessed for the sake of being blessed. For example, the covenant God made with Abram before his name was changed to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3, he said, I will bless you. His microphone just cut out. God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. And basically he's echoing the prayer 
of Aaron in number 624. And I don't know if you remember, but God spoke to Moses, tell Aaron, instruct him to pray this blessing over the people of Israel. And many of you may be in a local church. I know I close our church service every week with uh, Aaron's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance and give you shalom of Yeshua HaMashiach, shalom of Christ. Shalom, what is shalom? Shalom encapsulates the blessing of God. Shalom is the absence of evil and the presence of everything good about God. How many of you would like some shalom? Amen. No anxiety, no fear, but everything good. That's shalom. And when you say peace in, in Israel, you know, you greet with, by saying shalom or saying goodbye, you say shalom. And it's just a powerful decree over people's lives because you're decreeing a blessing, absence of evil in your life. You're decreeing a blessing? That's not a decree. May the Lord bless you. Uh huh. Big difference than I decree and declare shalom for your life. And the presence of everything good from God who is good. And so he's saying, may. And it just cut out again. I'm saying this because I'm of that old generation. In fact, I'm going to take a picture of you so I could post it on Instagram and Facebook on my page. The smile. So I'm into it. Okay, I get it. All right. But, but there's something about face-to-face encounter. And, I, you know, I FaceTime my wife every day when I'm on the road. Why? Because we pray together. And when we pray, we start talking and Before we know it, you know, half an hour, an hour goes by and it's free, you know, because thank God for modern technology. You know, we use a Skype, but we both got Apple phones and we could see each other now and just talk. The face of the person is the presence of the person. So here's what he's saying. Lord, I want you to bless me and I want your presence because the blessing of God is in the presence of God. When you have the presence of God, you have everything. Moses said it this way, unless your presence goes with us, we can go absolutely no further. In Exodus 33. In H.I.M., we say the presence of God is not just the icing on the cake. It is the cake. In other words, it's not that we just have a good meeting and the Holy Spirit showed up. We shake, rattle, roll, laughed a little bit, you know. That was a good meeting. No, we're after his presence. That is what we're after. His kingdom is not meat or drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what his kingdom's all about. And so, so in the Holy Spirit apparently means in his presence, you know, because we're seeking the presence. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounded like he was trying to rightly get to the concept of the face of God and, you know, seeking his favor and blessing, you know, because if God's face is against you or you can't see his face. Yeah, that's 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 a bad thing. But. <laughs> Uh, it's it's the stuff that he's adding into it now, and then he's engaging in a form of eisegesis. This is an invalid cross-reference regarding the presence of God. Uh, we're after his presence because when you have your, the presence of God, everything gets blessed. Remember Obed-Edom? I mean, I, I should really back up. First Samuel chapter 6, David's bringing the ark into Jerusalem. And uh, he doesn't read the Bible. He doesn't know that you have to have the Levites carrying the ark and pole. So he wants to expedite it. You know, it's, he's a different generation. He wants everything fast, like our generation. You know, instant everything. You know, Instagram. You have, you know, now, I mean, it's just makes microwave oven. We even have a restaurant in Los Angeles, In-N-Out Burger. 
It's the best burger you can get, by the way, just in and out, you know. And, um, and, but, but David, so he puts the ark on the cart. And he brings it into Jerusalem. The cart tips and, you know, uh, uh, um, what's his name? Obedee, uh, Uriah, puts his hand up and he's struck dead. And fear comes upon David's heart and says, oh my goodness, this has a lot of power. And so he says, I'm going to keep it in a Philistine's home. A good tie, it's a Philistine. If anyone's going to die, let a Philistine die, not another Israelite. So he puts it in Obed-Edom's home. And the Bible says, Obed-Edom and his whole household got extremely blessed. He got blessed. The presence of God will bring the blessing of God. And so the psalmist is praying, God bless us. Show your face and your presence to us. But here's the prayer. Verse 2, that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Now, please catch this. The blessing of God will lead to the salvation of nations. You getting blessed will lead to the greatest harvest the world has yet seen. What? So if you're not being blessed because you're not in the presence of God, then how on earth can other, the salvation of nations occurs? So you got to get in the presence so that you can get the blessing, and the blessing will be the thing that will help bring the salvation of the people. Go and make disciples, baptizing and teaching all the Christ has commanded. You don't. This is nonsense. Now, this is amazing. Because how blessed do we have to be to see nations getting saved? Right now, nations are not getting saved because they are looking at us, because they're not impressed with the church. Right, yeah, see, the whole reason why people persist in sin and unbelief has nothing to do with the fact that they're born dead in, tres- dead in trespasses and sins. No, no, it has nothing to do with it at all. Uh, the reason why nations aren't being saved right now is because they look at Christians and they go, meh, they don't seem all that blessed to me. <laughs> that is not what this, t- this psalm says. I mean, the Jewish people, the Bible says all of Israel will be saved in Romans 11. And they will be saved by being provoked to jealousy. How many know they're not jealous of us right now? I mean... What? <laughs> Romans 11, out of context. I mean, just making reference to without actually exegeting it. Think about it. Less than 1% of the world's population is Jewish people, and they have become the most dominant in every sphere of society. 35% of all Nobel Prize winners are Jewish. 25% in science. They own all seven major studios in Hollywood. They own it. And so, what do you have that I don't... One-third of all the millionaires in the, in the United States are Jewish. They're the wealthiest, the smartest. They're the top actors, producers. You have the Spielberg, the directors. And so... How many know they're not impressed with us at this point? But I I want you to know we have something that Hollywood doesn't have or the Jewish people have. We have the presence of the Holy Spirit. We have the glory of God. Is Christ in you the hope of glory? This isn't even lucid. Are you sure you're an apostle? But that has to be released in such a manifest way. How are we going to demonstrate? Well, when we walk... And the realm of the supernatural. When we walk in divine health, when we pray for the sick and they get healed. This past um, August, I was in Hong Kong. Yeah, are you are you walking in divine health? At our HM conference there, in our church there. 
And the pastor said, I want to just give you a surprise. I said, uh, what's the surprise? He said, well, I wasn't going to tell you. He said, I wanted that person to tell you. But a year ago, when you were in Hong Kong, uh, you prayed for a woman with stage 4 cancer. And the doctors gave her one month to live. It was August 2014. And uh, the doctor said she'll be dead by the end of September. I remember her because they wheeled her in a wheelchair and brought her right in front of the platform so I wouldn't miss her. Of course I wasn't going to miss her, you know. But they wanted me, obviously, to focus on her. And she was a well-known leader in Hong Kong, uh, intercessor, prophetic intercessor, but also she had organized so many different conferences in Hong Kong. Her name is Lois. So they brought her right up to the front. But I have to be honest with you, I didn't pray for her. I did pray for her at the end of the service, but not when she got healed. As I'm preaching, and I'm winding up my message, I'm giving the altar call for people to stand and give their hearts to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit speaks to her, stand, I've healed you. Not for salvation as far as, you know, she's already a believer, but to stand. And so she leans over to her daughter who had brought her in, and she said, help me to get out of the wheelchair. And the daughter's a little bit confused because there's the altar call, and she said, Mom, you're already saved, you know. But she said, no, help me to stand. The moment she stands, she says she felt strength, supernatural strength come to her body. She was in such excruciating pain, she was on morphine for four months. I mean, this heavy painkiller that eventually she said, I don't want to take anymore because it's making me think cloudy. I can't think. And so she wanted to be sharp that night. So she came without any painkiller to hear the message. and, And the Lord said, stand. And for the first time, she just felt this incredible strength come to her body in four months. And then she said, I want to go to the ladies' room. The ladies' room was outside the auditorium. So she had to walk all the way down the hall, outside the uh, entrance to the exit, and to go to the ladies' room. So the daughter walked her out and walked her back in. At that point, I'm seeing her out of the wheelchair. I said, what in the heck is going on? And so then I prayed. But I didn't know. Did she leave? I, don't, I didn't, no one told me what happened to her. She had a tumor the size of a fist right on her right throat that she couldn't even move her neck. So, pastor says, Lois is coming, and she wants to testify what happened a year ago. I said, wonderful. So I'm there sitting, and, you know, the service starting, and Lois comes walking down. No wheelchair. She's walking in her own strength. She gives the report. There's absolutely no cancer in her throat, no cancer in her bones. And it's just, see, we have something that Hollywood is longing for, but it has to be something that's manifested all the time. Yeah, if it's not being manifested all the time, I mean, how would Hollywood become jealous of us Christians, you know? Yeah, they probably wouldn't. So, I mean, if you're not having stuff like this happen in your church, I mean, you clearly are not capable of making any disciples and bringing people to penitent faith in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. What were you thinking? Because what it is, they say, I want what you have. Just, if just, can we just be... Rather than want Christ for the forgiveness of my sins. Some of you look like you just walked in wearing tight underwear. You don't look too happy. Look, you know, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. (laughs) Some of you are still fighting anxiety. It's peace. It's shalom. You know, the peace that passes comprehension will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. In Philippians 4, 6. 
So just even the basics of having the love of Jesus Christ. Why are you so happy? You know, I led a person to the Lord when I was a student at the University of Maryland. And I wish it was more uh, uh, regular. But she kept on saying, why are you so happy? You know, I didn't even know I was smiling. I didn't even know. You know, I just was just being myself. And she, I said, well, do you have a minute after class? Can I talk to you? And she said, yes. And I shared, it's because of Jesus. He has changed my life. I was a drug addict. I was a high school dropout. I was in jail when I was 15 years old. But God had mercy upon me. God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved me. And so I said, would you like to know this, Jesus? She said, yes. She gave her heart to Jesus Christ. Listen, just letting our light shine with joy is going to lead to salvation. This is how the blessing of God is going to manifest in the salvation of nations. But just imagine, you know, what about having marriages that are healthy? See, this is a reformational prayer. It's not just salvation of being born again. His prayer is in Psalm 67 that your way may be known on earth. What is the way of God? It's interesting. The Bible says the people of Israel knew the acts of God, but Moses knew the ways of God. The ways of God are throughout Scripture. In fact, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The early church was called the way before they were first called Christians in Antioch. Isaiah chapter 2, if you could go with me to Isaiah real quickly. The Bible prophesies in the last days that God's going to establish his mountain on top of all the mountains. You know, on top of the seven mountains, if you will. That the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of the mountains, and he shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations will flow to it. Again, reaching out to nations, but not just for salvation, because many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, in verse 3, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways. So what are the ways of God? Well, the way to do life according to the word of God. The way to have a successful marriage. I just celebrated my 36th anniversary. And, uh, you know, that shouldn't be a big deal, but today it is a big deal because people aren't lasting that. And it's been... Heaven on earth. Not always, but for most part, it's been heaven on earth. I have four amazing adult children that love Jesus. Three of them are pastors and serving the church. I have four grandchildren. Can you believe I'm a grandfather? I know I got married when I was 12, but I'm a grandfather. And, and so it's the way to do family. It's the way to raise kids. It's the way to do business with integrity without cheating. Way to do government without corruption. I mean, so we can say, come, this is the way to walk. It's reformational. It's not just, how many know you could do a Now, I'm going to make this clear. When he started talking like this, he was talking about the importance of manifesting miracles. Now he's talking about good works. And he's blended the two. You know, if you're not manifesting miracles, people aren't going to want Christianity. And now he's talking about good works. The good works portion of it is exactly what Scripture talks about, letting our light shine before other people. It is our good works. So this part is true, but he's meshed it together with the false part. Well, we got to be manifesting the miracles and stuff. Yeah, so that's this. You know, so what he's saying here, well, I'm not taking issue with that. That's what Scripture teaches. That's first class in Hollywood that just 
has the glory of God without showing skin and sex and all the other things that Hollywood thinks that they have to have. It's amazing because when they do once in a while produce movies like that, it's a blockbuster. They still don't get it. But that's the kingdom, see? It's the kingdom manifesting. The kingdom of God is much bigger than what we think. It doesn't have to be Christian to be kingdom. It's not the same. The kingdom is a rule and reign of God in the realm of his blessing. For example, Bill... What? <laughs> what? The kingdom is the rule and reign of God in something of his... Ble- what? So it, it doesn't have to be king, a Christian to be kingdom. What is he talking about? This is a weird definition of kingdom. It's in many ways is more kingdom-minded and hearted than most Christians. He's doing things to eradicate malaria. He's doing things to educate the poor and to feed the poor. I, mean, I, I was speaking at Cambridge University, and it's a small church of 150, but what stood out was 75 of them were students from Cambridge, and all of them were from Africa from Nigeria, from Ghana, other British colonies. And I said, how in the world did you guys make it to Cambridge? I mean, you've got to be the top student. And, and then the financially, this is a very expensive school. You know, we're talking about 50,000, 60,000 uh, a year. And they said, oh, we all applied to the Bill Gates Foundation, and we got a full ride to come to this school. Now, Bill Gates doesn't know revival is breaking out in Nigeria, and the students that are applying are spirit-filled believers. You know, come on. I mean, it's like these Christians are coming to England and evangelizing England. You know, it's amazing. And so we're seeing we're seeing the blessing of God come to his people big time. But here's the point I want to make. Look down in Psalm 67. Let's look at the last verse. Well, last two verses. Verse 6. It says... Let all the people praise you, then all the earth shall yield her increase. God our God shall bless us. Now, here's a very specific manifestation of his blessing. What is he saying? Again, this is a harvest prayer. Back then, Israel was an agrarian culture. The main source of economy was agriculture. Today, if you go to Israel, the number one source of economy is technology And number two is tourism. But back then, it was agriculture. And what he is praying, that God's going to bless us financially, economically, because the land is going to yield, it's increased, the harvest is going to be abundant. God's going to bless us, he's going to prosper. And right now, again, taking the Jewish people, they're, they're not impressed because they're richer. But how many know we're to be the head and not the tail? Come on, Deuteronomy. Right, so you better start getting rich so that you can impress people so they'll want to be Christians. That's a weird twisting of this psalm, and that's not what the psalm is saying. 2813, you, God wants to so bless you financially so you can be a blessing. The Bible says that we're to use unrighteous money to reach the lost. In Luke 16. So when you have money, you have options. You could pick up the tab of an unbeliever just sitting across from you and just say, I want to pick up this tab, and I want them to know. I remember walking into a restaurant, and a little league, uh, a black team, they're all black kids, that came in, and they had just had a baseball game, and so they were just so excited. They wanted to have lunch, and and so the coaches were there, parents were there. There must have been a party around, without exaggerating, around 35 people. They're at the restaurant, and... They're ordering, and my, my, I was with my daughter. I was having a date with one of my daughters. I have three daughters. They're adults. Two of them are married, and, and uh, they have children. 
But I still date my kids. I like to have that one-on-one time. Again, this is a way to do family. And so uh, I'm with my daughter, Joy, and the Holy Spirit said, pick up the tab for that whole group. So I go to the manager and say, you see that group here, you know, with the baseball team? And I said, I want to pick up their tab. And he looked at me, are you crazy? This is hundreds of dollars. This is close to maybe $1,000. I said, I don't care. I want to pick it up. But I wonder under one condition, I want them to know a pastor picked it up. Don't even give him my name or my church. I said, a pastor, why? Because there's such a stereotype that pastors and churches are cheap and, you know, stingy. And God wants to break that spirit of poverty off the church. And I want those kids. God wants to break the spirit of poverty off the church. Okay. Know that a pastor was generous enough to pick up the whole tab. God wants to so bless you so you could be a blessing. And, uh, you know, you I mean you can't outgive God. I know that sounds like a cliche, but I was just sharing with, uh, with uh, the church um, this morning, the River of Life Church. You know, the Lord has led my wife and I to give over 50% of everything that comes in since 2010. And, uh, and that's a lot of money. And, um, and, you know. Yeah, it's, you sure are doing a lot of talking about yourself. I mean, is, didn't Jesus say that when you give, don't let everybody know so that your father who knows what you're giving in secret may bless and reward you? I mean, if you want everybody to know that this is what you're doing, okay, well, you get your reward here, and that's your reward is that everybody knows that you gave money. You see, when I'm this is such an abuse of Scripture, and it's so based upon this guy's life stories and not a correct exegesis of any biblical text. And this guy claims to be an apostle. We, by the grace of God, did it when my daughter was still in graduate school. She was getting her master's degree at Pepperdine and a very expensive tuition, and, and yet we felt stepped out. We have seen God provide so supernaturally. This just happened, and it happened end of last year. And what happened was is that my grandfather on my mother's side was a very wealthy banker. He had a lot of land and sold. In the 70s, there was a dictator named Chung Park Hee, the president, that took his land illegally and said to my grandfather, we need this land to build a highway. It's good for our country. We need infrastructure. We're just going to take the land, and we want you to be patriotic and give it up. But it was illegal. So he had all this land taken away that would be worth millions today. Well, guess who's now the new president? His daughter. Her name is Chung Hae Park. She's the new president of Korea. The first thing she did in office, she said, I'm going to make restitution of everything my dad stole illegally from the people of Korea. So she did all the research and found, and the government got in touch with my uncle, who's only the son of my grandfather, who's 80 years old. He's the only one alive among the children. And so, uh, so they contacted him and said, uh, the Korean government is going to pay back the land that the government took with interest and prorated to today's market. Now, now listen, it gets better because according to my grandfather's will, everything went to his wife, who's now at the sea. She's is in heaven. She died, at, by the way, at the age of 101. She's the one who prayed me into the kingdom, but she's passed away. And... Uh, and her children, including my parents, passed away. But in the will says, if my children are deceased in the will, then it goes to my grandchildren. And so guess who got the money? 
Shayon got the money. I think you get the point. I mean, unfortunately, this sermon-ish thing goes on for quite some more time, and you know, belaboring the point isn't going to help. Um, yeah, we're going to just kind of pause the sermon right there, and we'll consider it done for our sake. If you want to hear the rest of it, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, Shayon at Glory City Church, 4th of October, 2015. You can find it at the Glory City Church uh, YouTube channel if you would like to hear the rest of it. But yeah, I at the point where I'm going to pull my ears off if I have to listen to another anecdotal story and theology spun from the anecdotal story from Shayon's life. Well, the apostle, of course, you know. But what I found most interesting was listening to him at the beginning of the sermon as he was, well, giving the word of the Lord, not from the Bible, but, you know, from, you know, the prophets and things like that. And, you know, basically giving strategies there to the people of Glory City Church um, <laughs> because, you know, he's uh, been tasked with the job of making apostles and setting up the infrastructure and the leaders for the billion soul harvest thingy that's supposed to be coming down the pike. That was rather fascinating to listen to. What did you think? Love to get your feedback if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My mail address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ by carries death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.